Stephen Seem. And thank you for coming out tonight. I'm guessing um, you're probably here for a number of different reasons. Either you really just hate football, you don't want to be here, or uh, you're waiting for the party afterwards to, to be with, uh, with the rest of us and watching the game, or you're just really wanting to know how to be filled by the Spirit. Maybe you just are used to coming to church. I don't know, one of those things. But we're just glad to have you. And um, I've been thinking about this question uh, actually for, for a couple of years. How to be filled by the Holy Spirit? Because I really think that that's probably the most challenging questions, one of the most challenging questions in the Christian life. And uh, I was talking to somebody recently about this whole question, and they were like, John, it, it just feels like, it feels like I'm... I'm living the Christian life and I'm really doing well there for a second, for a couple minutes, a couple days, maybe even a week, and then all of a sudden, bang, down I go. And instead of, you know, claiming we fall down, you know, in worship to Jesus, it's like we fall down because we're tripped up, we're messed up. And um, I kind of liken that to, uh, maybe in our minds we think about the filling of the Holy Spirit, filling of God is sort of like a balloon. And um, the balloon is almost kind of, let go and leaks, right? It just, it's gone. It's kind of here one day and gone the next. And so I, I really want to kind of wrestle through this question with you tonight. And uh, let's just begin with asking the Lord to, uh, to, give us, to give us his wisdom, give us his answers. And so let's pray. Father God, I thank you for, uh, I thank you for tonight. I thank you for the privilege of standing before your people and uh, really trying to answer, I think, one of the most important questions in life. And that is, how do we stay full of you? How do we continue to walk with you and follow you? It's hard, Lord. Many of us, in fact, all of us in this room, have, have failed in this regard. And um, so, Lord, we're, we're, we're needing answers. And I pray, Lord, that we would, we would find them from your word. So help me to deliver that and communicate that well to your people. And we just pray in the name of Jesus Christ. And God's people said, Amen. Well, like I said, many have tried to answer the question, how do you stay filled with God? And uh, let me just give you some of the um, kind of answers that I wrote down when it comes to living, living this out. How do you kind of essentially stay filled with God? The first one I kind of wrote down was the most obvious. It's, it's people try to live out the spiritual disciplines. They say, well, if you just pray more, right? Has anybody ever told you that? If you just pray more, you'll be more filled with God. Or if you just read your Bible more, you're going to be filled with God. Um, maybe some of you have, have kind of journeyed into the whole spiritual disciplines of solitude and silence, fasting, maybe living simply. And yet, even though you, you maybe read God's word and you pray more and more, isn't there times where you still stumble? In fact, actually, have you ever found this? I found this to be true in my life, that after you've had a really good time of just spending time with God, uh, it's not too soon after that where you just, like, fall, right? There's some temptation comes and you give in. You're like, how did that happen? You almost, like, feel blindsided. Has anybody felt that way? Yeah? Okay. Yeah, Thank you for your honesty. I mean, I, it's true. I, I know I've experienced that. Um, some other people have tried a different strategy for, for uh, staying filled with God. They, they think it's going to a spiritual place. It could be a church. It could be a monastery. It could be a retreat center. It could be, quote, the desert. That's what the, you know, third or fourth century um, spiritual people back in the day, they used to go out to the desert and they'd try to fight the devil in the desert. 
because Jesus talked about the fact that's where the, de- the devil goes, that's where the spirits go, the evil spirits go once they leave a person. Some people maybe go to a Christian camp or a conference. I love conferences. Maybe some of you, you know, go on a spiritual high. You go to the Holy Land, you know, and it's just, it's awesome to be a pilgrim there and to see where Jesus walked, you know, and then you come home and you start fighting with your spouse or your kids or your coworkers, right? Um, another strategy people try is just being a passionate worshiper, you know? If they just, they just put more, um, more worship uh, into their lives by, you know, playing it on their CD player all the time or attending Christian conferences, um, worship conferences and concerts and all those type of things, that's, that's another tactic that people try to stay filled with God. Reality is, Monday comes and we still fail. I'm not trying to sound depressed or anything today, okay? So don't, don't feel like that. I'm not trying to discourage you. I'm just telling you what reality is. Some try to actually pursue a spiritual high, an experience. It could be speaking in tongues, you know. You don't want to tell all your Baptist friends that you do it, but maybe you have like some prayer language. I don't know. Some of you want some prophetic word, a word of knowledge, you know, some kind of discernment. You might try to pursue, you know, thinking, ah, I, what I need, I've heard about this baptism of the Holy Spirit. That's what I need. If I get that, then I'll be dunked under and I'll be, just be filled with the Spirit. Well, those are two separate things. Baptism of the Holy Spirit comes when you, when you trust in Christ as your Lord and Savior. Pastor Rick's taught us this. We find that uh, throughout the scriptures. Uh, some others have actually tried the strategies of, like, seeking revival. You know, I, I found this. I'm like, I'll just start praying for revival and personal. It's got to start with me, Lord. And then it will just flow out to the whole congregation and the whole, the whole community and the whole country. We'll fill up the GM Center with all these worshipers of Christ. Many will come to faith in Christ. You know, that, that's when we'll really see the filling of the, the Holy Spirit. Is that the filling of the Holy Spirit? Hmm. Uh, some of us actually... Um, grew up in, in settings or been in settings where, you know, being filled by the Holy Spirit kind of meant you keep the rules. You keep, you make the regulations, you keep them, and you, you involve yourself with community covenants, you know, the length of hair, the dress codes, all those things. That's another tactic that people try when they try to be filled with the Spirit. And here's the, my favorite. This is the one probably you've heard the most, right? You just got to have more faith, right, George? You just got to have more faith. Just trust in Jesus more, and you will be filled with the Spirit. Have you tried any of these? Have they worked perfectly for you? See, I think God can use some exercises and experiences and places in your life. I'm not down on all those things. But if spiritual experiences are what you're pursuing, you won't stay filled with God. Haven't you found this to be true? Have you? I think that's even why you're here tonight. Well, I, I believe that God has shown me the answer. and um, I don't want to oversimplify things, but I, I really think this is where we find it, right in God's Word. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to look at Colossians chapter 2, starting in verse 6. And um, I'm going to actually read this from the message, Eugene Peterson's The Message. So why don't you follow along in your copy of God's Word, and I'm going to read it to you. I'll come back to the New International Version a little bit in a few minutes, but I just think this kind of catches the, 
the essence of what's going on that the Apostle Paul was trying to say to us. And so this is what it says in Colossians chapter 2, starting in verse 6. My counsel is for, for you is simple and straightforward. Just go ahead with what you've been given. You received Christ Jesus, the Master. Now live Him. I love that. Now live Him. You've received Him, now live Him. You're deeply rooted to Him. You're well constructed upon Him. You know your way around the faith. Now do what you've been taught. School's out. Quit studying the subject and start living it. And let your living spill into, over into thanksgiving. Watch out for people who try to dazzle you with big words and intellectual double talk. They want to drag you off into endless arguments that never amount to anything. They spread their ideas through the empty traditions of, of human beings and the empty superstitions of spirit beings. But that's not the way of Christ. Everything of God gets expressed in Him so you can see and hear Him clearly. You don't need a telescope, a microscope, or a horoscope to realize the fullness of Christ and the emptiness of the universe without Him. When you come to Him, that fullness comes together for you too. His power extends over everything. It's the end of verse 10. Why is this question, how do you become and stay filled with the Holy Spirit, such a difficult one to answer? Many people are searching, many people have tried, many have found wanting. And I'm wondering tonight, maybe if we've made it too complicated. Maybe you've been essentially kidnapped. That's what that word captivated in verse 8 talks about, being captivated by the philosophies of this world. The word is really meaning to be kidnapped. Kidnapped by some other thinking. By the devil, essentially, to make you think you need something else. I think this is especially true after Pastor Rick mentioned this morning from Ephesians chapter 5, 18, that essentially to be filled or keep on being filled is, is a passive. It's a passive act. It's um, something that is done to us as opposed to something we can do. So that just makes it doubly hard. Like, think about this. Your, your pastor and your, your essentially your boss has said, Hey, I want you to, I got your assignment for you. I want you to tell the people how to be filled with the Holy Spirit. But by the way, it's a passive thing, so somebody else has to do it. I'm like, okay, how do we do this? What does this really mean? It's a tough question, isn't it? I think maybe that's part of why this, this question has been so difficult for us to answer. Well, I want to say clearly that this, this is the answer that I've come up with. Okay, this is the best I got. This is what I think comes straight from the text. And you check it out in verses 9 and 10 of uh, Colossians chapter 2. I think it says this. Your fullness in life comes from recognizing Christ's fullness. Your fullness in life comes from recognizing Christ's fullness. Isn't that what it says? For in Christ all the fullness of deity lives in bodily form. If you want to know God, then we have to know Christ. There is no way of knowing the Father except through Him. And Christ is the exact physical representation of God. That's what Pastor Steve read earlier in the earlier part of Colossians. That, that he is the one who has fullness of God in him. And it's found in bodily form. Then verse 10, it says this, And you, you, you could put your name beside that. 
You have been given fullness in Christ, who is the head over every power and authority. So the same fullness that is in Christ, the fullness of deity is actually in me? It's in you? That is awesome. That is awesome truth. Your fullness in life comes from recognizing Christ's fullness. Christ's completed work on the cross means that I am complete in Christ. You are complete in Christ. All that is needed has been done for us. You need nothing but Jesus. It's simple as that. You need nothing but Jesus. Got a couple, I got at least one amen. It should be for the rest of us. It's all you need is Jesus. Like many today, the Colossians thought that they, they needed something more than Jesus. Uh, you know, they thought, if we just get some more things, you know, that's why in, you find in, in starting in, essentially in verse uh, 16, Therefore do not let any, anyone judge you by what you eat or drink or with regard to a religious festival or a new moon celebration or a Sabbath day. These are a shadow of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. There's those words, in Christos. In Christ. It's all we need. Verse 18. Do not let anyone who delights in false humility and the worship of angels disqualify you for the prize. Some are saying, you know what? You've got to worship angels. You've got to get a little bit more than Jesus. Such a person goes into great detail about what he has seen. And his, he's essentially saying, you know, i got this spiritual thing all figured out. And his unspiritual mind puffs him up with idle notions. That's why it's so dangerous. Because, as I said, there's all these strategies that we had at the front end, right? It's a place. It's a, it's a pursuit. It's a discipline. But in 19... Jesus, Jesus, or God has warned us about this through the Apostle Paul. He has lost connection with the head. Again, the head, the authority. From whom the whole body, supported and held together by its ligaments and sinews, grows as God causes it to grow. Since you die with Christ through the basic principles of this world, why, those do you still belong to? Do you submit to its rules? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. There's those rules again. These are all destined to perish with use, because they are based on human commands and teachings. And so, again, it goes back to Christ. It's Christ alone. You need nothing but Jesus. Your fullness in life comes from recognizing Christ's fullness. J.I. Packer calls this other strategy, maybe we've applied this as, like, um, the gospel of extras. That's what he calls it, the gospel of extras. And so what we do is, like, we say, and maybe you've talked to people, I know people have talked to me, you're like, um, if, I, if, if they're asking me, you know, well, how do I really live the, the great life that God wants me to live? And I'll say, well, just keep your eyes on Christ. Yeah, what else, John? What else do you want me to do? Do, do I need to memorize, like, the whole book of, of, uh, of uh, Luke? Is that what I need to do? No, just, just recognize the fullness of Christ in your life. Um, yeah, but, John, I think I need to pray more. Yeah, you need to pray more, but recognize the fullness of Christ. The problem is that many of us want more than Jesus, don't we? Except when this happens. When we hit total bottom. And all the strategies no longer work. We thought they were working really good, right? And then all of a sudden, you're like, I need more. I need more than what I've tried. I've tried everything. And that's why the word try is used so much, isn't it? It's like, I tried this, I tried that. It's not working for you. 
there was this woman named Brenda. And Brenda, um, she, uh, she was like in her mid-twenties. And, you know, mid-twenties, you think, wow, life's just before me and it's going to be great. And, and um, she, was, uh, she was married to this guy and uh, they had just had a baby and life was looking so great, right? And um, her husband dropped the four-month-old baby. And uh, baby all of a sudden had brain damage. And um, this totally, as often does, it just put a rift between the husband and wife, between Brenda and her husband. And um, uh, yet they, they still stuck together, and she got pregnant again. And then he just couldn't take it anymore. And when she was eight months pregnant, she left. Or he, he left. And, and um, so here's this, this, this woman in her mid-20s. She has one child who's disabled and another child that's on the way. And her husband has taken off from, from her. And she has to go back to her mom and dad. She has to, you know, say, Mom and Dad, can you take care of us? And, and they did. They brought her in. And, and um, finally one night she was able to kind of just take a break and get out. And she went to a restaurant. And uh, there's this guy. And he came and he kind of... Um, Started hitting on her. His name was Curtis, and uh, he he uh, tried to you know say hey can we have a date? And he's like she's like no I don't think you really want to date me, you know. And she ended up telling him about the fact that she's recently divorced and she has two kids and one of them is is got extra challenges, and uh, you know he he was a good guy. He um, he actually the next day called her and said I'd still like to go out with you and. Brought some roses to her. And uh, um, then uh, they continued on in this relationship. And then one day, um, there was a tornado in Arkansas. That's where they're from, especially that's where his, her parents are from. And, and um, a tornado just wiped out the house and killed Brenda's parents. And um, wow, you know, like lots of us, this would terribly say that, that's it you know um, this is this is ridiculous and they were totally in, in this situation they'd say that's it I, I, I would never want anything to do with God even though I maybe went to church all my life and, and that wasn't the case though in Curtis and Brenda's life in fact it drew them to God in fact that was the point where finally Curtis realized there really is a God which is totally ironic that's how God works through suffering through difficulty and um, so a year later 1997 they got, they got married and uh, since then, they've had five other kids. And tonight, when you are done listening to me, you're going to go watch Curtis play for the Arizona Cardinals. He's the quarterback. His name's Kurt Warner. And um, that's what God does. He brings us to himself and realizes that this is all you need is Christ. Now, Kurt Warner is an outspoken Christian. He carries his Bible around to press conferences, and he follows God. And that's what it means he's not the kind that is letting go of the balloon in a sense and leaking. He's full of God. Now there's other Christians on the other team, so I'm not, I don't want to advocate, I'm not just saying this because Pastor Rick will be upset. There's there's some Christians on the Pittsburgh Steelers too, okay? Um, But uh, apparently, you know, Kurt Warner gathers about 20 of his teammates and they pray together and they they read, read God's word. He's full of God. And I think what Kurt has realized is that we have been, as 
Pastor Rick said this morning, quoting from 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, we have been given everything we need for life and godliness. Everything we need that's in Christ, through our knowledge of Christ. There's nothing else you need. We need nothing more than Jesus. And here's why we find this. This is so true. Look at verse 11 of Colossians chapter 1. It says, in him, that's Christ, you were also circumcised in putting off the sinful nature. That's a past tense, isn't it? He's done that. He has given you the power to say no to sin. He's cut it off. He's cut off the power of that temptation, those selfish desires. Not with the circumcision done by the hands of men, but the circumcision done by Christ. And then look what he also has done. So essentially Christ has given us power over every authority figure. Your boss. You might be in that really difficult situation. Christ is the power over that authority in your life. We find that in verse 10. We find that he, he, has, he has essentially given you power over your teachers to be able to live for them and live in a right way. Over your parents even, you know. Maybe they're giving you a hard time. Probably not in this room, but, you know, reality is, is Christ is, has power over every authority figure. Christ is all you need if you keep focused on him. University administrators. There's no way we could have a debate on January 22nd. I'm talking about, does God exist? No way. That's not going to happen. In fact, a lot of people who were involved in the leadership of putting on that debate were told, you're crazy. There's no way you're going to put this thing on. This is going to be a flop. Christ, you're the head over everything. You have power to do this. He's all that we need. And as verse 11 says, he even has power over your sinful nature that I just read to you. Those temptations, those every stubborn habit that you have, those unchecked emotions, those wayward thoughts. Christ has power over those things. We need to recognize his fullness in our lives. Then we keep reading in verse 12. It says that uh, by Christ, verse 11, then verse 12 says, having been buried with him in baptism and raised with him through your faith in the power of God who raised him from the dead. I mean, wasn't it so true? That's why I love baptism so much. Hopefully you can see that I'm pretty jazzed up about baptisms. I love them. Because it's such a symbol and identification with this reality. This is why I always say this statement. Buried in the likeness of his death, raised in the likeness of his resurrection. You are fully identifying with Christ. You're saying, my sin was nailed to that cross. It's been buried with Christ and I am raised to new life. And I'll just throw this out. Maybe some here tonight have never been baptized. I challenge you to do that. It demonstrates the fullness of God, the fullness of Christ in your life. Christ has also made us alive with him. Look at verse 13. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your sinful nature, God made you alive with Christ. Again, everything you need. You've been made alive. There's nothing more that you need. He forgave us all our sins. All of them. Every single one of them. That one that you're holding on to and you're thinking, oh, God can't forgive that. God's not you know, able to be powerful enough to overwhelm that. I've got to pay for it. I've got to take on the, pay the wages for that one. The wages of sin is death. Let Jesus be the one who died for those sins. Recognize him as full in your life. 
verse 14. It says, having canceled the written code with its regulations that was against us, that stood opposed to us, he took it away, nailing it to the cross. I mean, I love that. Every, every hammer that went into those hands of Christ was not just essentially destroying sin, but it was destroying the rules and the regulations and the written code. And so, brothers and sisters, many of us try to live this life and say, I got to add one more thing to my life. I got to keep the rules. I got to try harder. Reality is, is Christ has released us from being all about the rules. And I just challenge you to think this way. Do you believe that? If, until, you, until, you, until you start believing that, you will continue to live in bondage to sin. You will still try to please others. But again... If your focus is on Christ and Christ alone, it will be such a difference. Then verse 15, there's another power. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Christ, again, is complete because he's conquered the devil and his minions. Christ's completed work on the cross means I am complete in Christ. The devil cannot destroy me. He cannot destroy my life. If I, could just, if I could just say that time and time again to you, you are full in Christ, and the devil cannot take that away from you. Lastly, I wrote down that Christ has released you from living by tradition and other people's expectations. That's why verse 16 says, Therefore do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink or with regard to a religious festival or a new moon celebration or Sabbath day. That's why verse 21, someone's, people are telling you, do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. These are all destined to perish with use. Reality is we've been released from these things. And brothers and sisters, we need to, to understand that. Now some of you are saying, John, I, I don't see how exactly the fullness of Christ is equal to being filled with the Holy Spirit. Well, remember, we, are, we, we believe in one God in three persons, okay? But... I just encountered this this afternoon as I was uh, listening actually to John MacArthur in the car. And it's interesting. He, this, the, the radio comes on and it's like, today, if you want to know how to be filled with the Holy Spirit, I'm like, okay, Lord, I'm listening. This is great. So if you, let's just do, just take your Bibles for a second and cross-reference. Keep your hand in Colossians, okay? And then just turn over to Ephesians, just a few pages to the, um, to the left, Especially the verse that Pastor Rick mentioned. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18. I'm going to show the, the unity of God when it comes to being filled with him. It says, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. Okay, then it says in verse 19, speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual psalms. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord. Always give thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So right after that, there's a joy that you're filled with. And it's it's specifically expressed in singing and making music to the Lord. Then it goes on in verse 21. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. So being filled with the Holy Spirit, you know if you're filled by the Spirit if you have a joy that expresses itself in worship. It's not that you try to worship in order to be filled with with the Spirit. It's like it's an overflow. Does that make sense? It, it, It overflows into your life. It's sort of like um, 
you just you put an ice cube in that, that drink, and all of a sudden it just goes over. You know, my dad always did that. He would, I would watch him, and he would just try to put, he'd put, fill the cup to the maximum amount, and then he'd put a couple ice cubes, and it would always overflow, okay? And reality is, is it's the same way. When we have full of Christ, you know, it overflows into to worship, and it just spews out to other places. So one of the, the aspects of, of being filled with the Holy Spirit is joy expressed in music, Verse 21, the next thing that we find that really shows itself that you're filled with the Spirit is you submit to one another reverence for Christ. And I submit, notice what it says, I submit together, not because they deserve it, but because of Christ, out of reverence for Christ. So now we're linking back to Christ and the Spirit. Then what's the next thing? Verse 22, okay, one of, one of all you women's favorite verses, wives, submit to your husbands, Right? So that's one of those aspects of being spirit-filled that proves that you're spirit-filled or shows that you're spirit-filled. Husbands, you're not off the hook. It says, verse 25, Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Wow, that's, that's pretty deep. You've got to essentially put your selfish ambitions, throw them away, die to yourself, follow Christ, love your wives, husbands. Then verse uh, 1 of chapter 6, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Verse 4, fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. So those are some other aspects of being filled with the Spirit. Verse 5, slaves, obey your earthly masters respect, with respect and fear, with sincerity of heart. And then verse 9, and masters, treat your slaves in the same way. So if you're an employee, I think there's some, some practical um, ways we can look at those verse of slave and master. And we could actually say that how you treat, how you treat your your uh, your boss shows how you're filled with the Spirit. How you, um, bosses, how you treat your employees shows how filled you are with the Spirit. So those are some of the outcomes of being filled with the Spirit. You get that? See that? Now, remember I told you, keep your hand in Colossians. Look what happens in Colossians chapter 3. You're going to see the exact same outcomes. And so this links what it means to be filled with the Spirit is also being filled with Christ. Verse 15, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace, and be thankful. Then verse 16, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom, and as you sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. Same thing. Doesn't it sound like the exact same thing? Then verse 8, um, Verse 18, wives, submit to your husbands as fitting in the Lord. 19, husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. 20, children, obey your parents and everything for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not embitter your children or they will become discouraged. 22, slaves, obey your earthly matters, masters in everything and do it. Not only when their eye is on you to win their favor, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. And then um, verse uh, 1 of chapter 4, Masters, provide your slaves with what is right and fair, because you know that you also have a master in heaven. You just link them up. They're, they're almost parallel passages. But one talks about being filled with the Holy Spirit, and one talks about letting the word of Christ dwell richly in you. And that's because the word of Christ, God's word, is how the Spirit exemplifies and expresses himself in our lives. So being filled with the Holy Spirit how do you stay filled with God? You let God's word continue to work in your life. 
and that you have that, you recognize Christ's fullness in every aspect of your life. You recall, and you can only do this if you have God's word um, placed in your, in your life, that you're like, okay, you know what? I submit to my boss or my teacher or my, um, my family member, not because they deserve it. It's not the who, as Andy Stanley says. It's the what. It's the what, not the who. Sorry, thank you, babe. Um, it's, it's the what. It's not the, it's not the who. It's not the what, it's not the who. Why don't you tell me there, Lori? <laughs> Say it for us all. It's not the what, it's, it's the who, okay? Say, that's why I have such a great wife. She's such a help to me. <laughs> I knew I'd get that all twisted. I do that from time to time, twist up my words. So you just have to bear with me. But reality is, it's not about what they're asking you to do as much as the fact that they've been placed in authority over you. And that's why it's not the what, it's the who. It's the fact that God has placed those authorities in your life. And so I'm like, I recognize the completeness, the fullness of Christ in my life. And those difficulties that I'm having, it's because it's God in my life. And I think this is so helpful to us in our own lives, if we would just live this way. I recognize that being filled with the Holy Spirit, going back to that analogy of the balloon, right? When you blow up a balloon, think about it. It, it goes out and it has some capacity, right? If you don't fill it all the way. But the more that you blow into it, there's a greater capacity. It needs to be stretched. And so often the fullness of Christ is shown when you're stretched. When, when um, you're suffering, when you're going through that difficulty. I mentioned this to our young adults this morning. You know, I recently, actually last fall, I tore my ACL. Okay? And um, it's a mild tear. It's not the Tiger Woods kind of catastrophic tear. Um, but uh, I have been recently um, receiving some help from a personal trainer. And uh, he's, been, he's been stretching out those ligaments. Do you think it hurts? Yeah, sure does. But does it get better? Yeah. And it increases my capacity to be able to have more, essentially, strength in that and help and, and be better. And it's the same with us. God is stretching us. He's calling us to be fully filled with him to greatest capacity. And so, I want to, uh, to conclude by uh, letting you watch this, this video, and then we'll sing a, sing a song. And I think it kind of maybe brings home to us kind of what, what, um, what it might look like in your life for us all as visual people. You're an onion. You were born into sin. And no matter how great you might be, you are only useful if you are pulled out of the earth and made clean. The first thing that must go are your roots. Your sinful nature and old ties to the world must be done away with. Next to go is the crown. You are no longer king of your life. The outer layers that are exposed to the world get dry and cracked. But as they are removed, each layer reveals new softness, new fragrance, new life. You must allow the maker to deal with you at deeper and deeper levels until your very heart is his. We come in all shapes and sizes, but we all share the same purpose, to be enjoyed by the maker.
when you recognize com- Christ's completeness in your life and fullness, things change. You know, in the Warner household, now with those seven children, can you imagine that? Taking those nine, family of nine, at the restaurant. And I was reading, you know what happens they often do? They'll go to a restaurant and, um, and they'll take turns. And one night it'll be one of the children's choice and the next night will be another another children's choice and what they do is they look around the room and one kid gets to pick out a family and says let's pay their bill and they do they do anonymously of course as an NFL quarterback you can do that but uh, it's it's completeness it's the fullness of Christ that overflows into other people's lives and it's by keeping Jesus the center of your life and so I just challenge you brothers and sisters this question of how do you stay filled with God? Recognize Christ as the powerful Lord in every aspect of your life. It helps so much when you recognize, when that temptation comes, says, Christ is better than this. Yeah, this might be fun for a couple minutes, but Christ is better. I'm going to recognize him as Lord. I want to stay full with him. I'm going to let the word of Christ dwell richly in me. And brothers and sisters, if you do, it will change your life. We'll stop the leaks. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you so much for, uh, I thank you so much for Jesus. All for Jesus. That's what we just sang. And Lord, help us to recognize him as Lord, as powerful in every situation. No matter what we're going through, whether it's a lack of sleep, whether it's a, a difficult relationship, whether it's um, just complete emotional and struggle in our lives and we're just feeling so overwhelmed. Lord, you are the Lord and we proclaim that and we believe it and we ask that you would help us to keep our eyes on you. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ and God's people said, Amen.